I'm Dan Wilton, the CEO of First Mining Gold. Uh, First Mining is a project developer with a portfolio of projects in Canada, including our Spring Pole project uh, in Ontario that's moving through feasibility and environmental assessment and uh, big announcement today around our Duparquet project in Quebec. Well, absolutely. Um, Duparquet Gold Project. Um, what, what's that? Um, why, why have you done it? Why did you need to? Shouldn't you be focused on Spring Pole? <laughs> Uh, it's a good question, uh, and the answer is it's not uh, not diluting the focus, but it's adding another pillar to the story here. Uh, this is a project that we've owned uh, a portion of since uh, First Mining acquired Clifton Star in 2016, so it's a project we understand really well, uh, and we've been trying to pull this together for a while. Um, and finally came to a point where uh, we could get agreement with our partners on finally bringing uh, this project, which is, is a complicated structure, as you see in the, uh, in the um, uh, release, but um, finally bringing this all together to put together a project that's going to be sitting within excess of 3 million ounces of uh, indicated, another 2 million ounces of inferred resources, in an area of outstanding infrastructure in the middle of the Abitibi. So really exciting project for us to do it. Right, okay. Um, I mean, you talk, you're going through a process of building up answers, it seems, because if I look at your portfolio cons construction, you'll see um, Spring Pole already got 4 million answers. This is bringing in 5 million all, all categories. What are you hoping to do here? Because you know, I come back to the thing, is it, is it a distraction? Have you got complementary skills? What is the sum of the parts equal? Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think it's a great opportunity for us while Spring Pool is at the stage that it's at. Uh, and you'll recall, we've just put the, um, uh, we just published our environmental draft environmental assessment document. It's now in with regulators being reviewed. We're going to start receiving comments back and some of that back and forth process. But we do have a window, uh, you know, here where the team certainly has capacity to be able to kind of go to a, a project that's at a slightly earlier stage and needs some rethinking and also needs really kind of starting with that environmental baseline work to um, do some of the longer lead time work that's going to allow us to scope a really robust project uh, in Quebec. So um, no, not a, I think not a distraction, but again, just like another pillar of the story here, this is going to be one of the core projects. Um, and then the rest of the portfolio, as we've talked about uh, a bunch of times, it's it's there fundamentally for uh, for our shareholders to continue to have exposure to projects that our partners are spending money on and making great progress. On. Right. Okay. So I, I, I do I do want to actually continue that line of thought, but first let's explain to me what exactly you picked up. What do you know today? Because there's been a lot of money spent on the project historically. So I there guess you're going to tell me you've got a deal here, but what is the deal? <laughs> So we are acquiring it in total for value uh, of which, uh, you know, call it combined a little more than 8 million cash and and uh, the balance of about a $25 million value in first mining shares. Um, so it's a really accretive deal. If you look at it kind of on, a, on an ounce per share basis, this is 30% accretive to the ounces underpinning our share value. Um, if you just look at the actual increase on, a, on an indicated basis, it's a 40% increase in our indicated resources and, uh, and a 50% increase on our inferred resources. So, you know, really meaningful increase in the ounces underpinning the value of our shares. Um, and this is a project, yeah, a lot of people have forgotten about 
over the course of the last uh, seven or eight years. You know, Clifton Starr put out a pre-feasibility study in a very different environment, uh, in a in a Canadian dollar gold price environment that was about twelve hundred dollars. Well, today we're sitting at twenty two hundred, um, and it still showed a, a project uh, even back then um, that was uh, that was you know robust and and uh, you know fifteen percent IRR and to move forward at what you'd consider a very very low price. So, but this is a project that's had an enormous amount of done, work done on it. Uh, 260,000 meters of drilling between 2008 and 2014. So, you know, we are getting this for less than the replacement, far less than the replacement cost of the drilling, let alone the infrastructure that's there, let alone the surface rights that we're acquiring, let alone, um, uh, you know, all of the metallurgical work that was done on the project in that time, uh, detailed environmental baseline work going back 10, 12 years. So, yeah, I, I think we are getting uh, assets here that are really, really going to be accretive to first mining. Okay, so just explain to us why the the current owners haven't done that themselves. Have they, have they been cash constrained? Have they been distracted by other better projects? I mean, why, why you and, you know, why has this deal got over the line? Yeah, it's interesting. The current owners uh, are, uh, it's a diverse group of shareholders and a complicated ownership structure between the BD gold mine project and the and the Donchester project, which is next door. Clifton Star had optioned them both to move forward, but there were different groups of shareholders, um, different priorities, and a, a group of shareholders that really had not had any inclination to move the project forward themselves. Uh, these shareholders have owned the project since, in one form or another, since the 1950s. And so there's been a couple of attempts at, at moving it forward. Clifton was one of them. It didn't work out, and largely because Clifton couldn't make some back-ended option payments in, in 2015. And we all remember what the equity markets were like in 2015. But that's sort of what left the left the door open for first mining to get our foot in the door here. But this is a long term relationship with these group of shareholders that have owned this project. You know, uh, my first meeting with the shareholders was uh, about a month after I started. And, um, you know, I think we had a common vision for how we could surface value here and actually move this project forward with real thoughtful development. And so part of it was, this is just giving liquidity to some of these diverse group of shareholders. Some of it is actually having them roll into something that has other other good gold project exposure, like we have with our portfolio, with Springpool. And some of it is, uh, is just a, a relationship and I think uh, a trust that's been built over the last three and a half years of, of working as partners to define a plan to go forward. So it felt, well, that's just me, it's been trapped or mired in um, a sort of disconnected view of how this thing moves forward and, and cash constraints. Because you, you've got BD and Don, Donchester in in there, um, a, bun a bunch of other um, company names flailing around. It, it was a bit of a mess. So why would all of those guys look at you and go, do you know what? These, this is the team to advance this because they're, they're picking a bunch of shares in, in first mining, right? So they've got to believe that you, yeah. you can move your own company along and that this asset will do better in your company rather than someone else's. Or is it just a case of, you know, who you know? How, how, how do no, these things I, I work and get put together and treat? I, I, 
Yeah, I, I think it is a it's a real vote of confidence in the team, and a, and a large part of what we have discussed over the uh, over the course of the last couple of years, as we've been discussing how this would come together. You know, in that same time frame, um, you know, since Steve Lines and and our permitting and uh, and environmental team have joined, there are some real parallels between. Uh, the Duparquet project and the Hard Rock project that Steve and the team permitted, you know, over the last six and a half, seven years uh, before they joined First Mining. So very similar things. Hard Rock was a uh, a small underground mine with an Arsino pyrite concentrate with a roaster, uh, left a bit of an environmental legacy that really gave everyone, including the permitting authorities, some real conviction to move it forward as a development project because everyone recognized that development was the best way to afford the scale of environmental program that's needed ultimately to clean up some of that historic legacy. We have some some of that here too. But we have a team that's done and not just kind of conceptually done that, like took it from scoping study to construction permits for a project that's now in construction. So when you talk about these parallels, uh, it's uh, it's exciting from our perspective. Um, But, you know, you get to you can bring that real experience to bear, which is helpful. Okay, And money. Um, So this is not as advanced as um, spring coal. Uh, as we said, right? And um, so, how much now you've put, now you've allocated or uh, you allocated capital and and shares to this project? How much cash is it going to take to kind of move this thing through the the phases, um, as it were, over the next twelve months? Um, like you've answered the question, it's not a distraction. You've got the people to do it. Yep. But how much of a cash distraction will it be? I think over the next 12 months in doing the work, which is predominantly environmental baseline work, trade-off studies around development uh, opportunities, and then scoping what we may do on exploration. Uh, I think the next 12 months starts with, you know, between five and $10 million. And I think with all of the advanced stage work that's done here, you know, we don't actually need any more drilling to go to pre-feasibility studies for example, right? We can advance this project, I think, far more quickly than anyone really thinks that we can because of all of the existing work and data that's there around it. Um, That's a real advantage. You know, that is uh, the difference between needing to do $50 million to infill drill it and not. So I think it's, you know, it's uh, call it a program of five to 10 in the first year. Um, and then, you know, that I think will dovetail with uh, what we need to do with Spring Pole as well, uh, continuing to move it through the environmental assessment process. Um, you know, we're looking at the financing options right now, which I suspect is going to be the next question. How are you going to pay for it? Um, but we've got, you know, options A, B, C, D and E that are all being uh, explored, including, you know, can we use this as a, as a rationale or timing potentially to uh, get some value for the royalty portfolio that we put together. And interestingly, we are getting uh, all of these ounces in Quebec uh, with no royalty on them, which I think gives us some real financing flexibility moving forward. Uh, and yeah, ultimately, when we have a chance to chat with our uh, with our shareholders about this, I think for something that is this accretive, and I think we can we can put forward a very compelling game plan to move it forward. Uh, I think we're going to have a lot of support for this. See what I'm what I'm intrigued by um, on on moves like this in this kind of market, this kind of economic reality we we seem to be in at the moment is that people can make big moves like that. There's a big move. 
I think yeah. it's a smart thing that, that what you've done. I think it's a smart thing, and certainly in terms of the um, construction of a portfolio of, of of assets at different phases. I think I think it's really smart. Um, but the stock market's not reacting. Share prices aren't reacting. I know this is early out. You're, you're early hours there this morning. So be interested. Wait, tell you what, tell you what, do me a favor. Come on next week and let me know. Yeah. How, 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 do me that favor, right? Absolutely. I'd be delighted to. But this, this isn't, and here's the important bit of the question is that this is not a marketing move from you, is it? Um, cause if, no. you, if you think, oh, we need to get, we need to pay to our, our stock price being under pressure on, um, you know, downward decline. People have lost interest in the story or don't believe the spring pole component technically or whatever it is that people may or may not be saying out there. This isn't just a gimmick from you. Does this genuinely add value to the portfolio? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is a project that when when you look at what the similarities are between this and Springpool and a lot of the projects that were brought into first mining, this is not, you know, massive inferred ounces that are going to sit as ounces on a balance sheet. Right. Um, these are real projects. This is, uh, you know, one of the highest grade open pit projects in Canada, by the way. Um, you know, you look at the open pit resource here at a gram and a half and yeah, it's got some strip ratio that's associated with that. But this is, you know, in, inside this, uh, you know, 5 million ounce all categories project is a higher grade, lower strip starter operation. That is something we're very excited to kind of scope out. That's already drilled to indicated and maybe that lower capital startup plan uh, for the company moving forward. So it adds a different dimension, you know, in a way that Springpool we all recognize is, as we've scoped it, I mean, yeah, there is a start smaller, but it's a difficult project to start smaller because the ore body kind of wants to be mined of a certain size. Springpool is, I think, more likely to go down that path of partnership um, with larger mining companies just by virtue of the size and scale, I think Duparquet actually offers an opportunity to do something slightly different, which could be a little bit in the vein of the start start smaller and expand. Um, and yeah, with with great support in uh, in a community that's you know they've been mining in this community since the 1930s. Um, I think there's a lot of work that that we still need to do to build our social license uh, in the area. But even just the, the conversations we've had to date have been very supportive. Okay, and you said there's some kind of network associated with the thing. So, what, what are there difficulties associated with it? I mean, I think you know refractory, yeah. refractory yeah, yeah, yeah. issues it's, or it's cyanide refractory. issues. Yeah. You know, but uh, can you no, recover gold economically? Yeah, the, the the test work that was extensive test work done in 2013 and 2014 shows you can get recoveries up to 90%. So very good flota flotation recoveries, uh, like 95% recoveries to a 5% mass pull. And, and all this detail is actually already on our website. Uh, if you go in and find the 2014 uh, pre-feasibility study done by Clifton Star, there's a, all this work is detailed. Extensive variability testing through different zones of both flotation and then ultimately uh, they selected pressure oxidation as, uh, as the main uh, avenue to test uh, the oxidation 
in order to deal with the refractory nature and and net net recovery is in excess of 90 percent so it needs treatment but you do and you can get good recoveries out of it what's interesting is that some of the other projects that we have just down the track and this is you know this is adding to the pit project that we own adding to duquesne that we own both of those projects are 10 to 15 kilometers to the east more classic uh, kind of Archean, narrowish uh, vein, high-grade underground projects. You know, Duquesne uh, is a past producer. Um, but there's a lot of other kind of potential high-grade satellite feed that when you have the infrastructure could come in and, uh, and again, I think significantly add value to um, an integrated process here. So a lot of work for us to do in terms of trade-offs, looking at a couple of different things than they did the last time. Um, but with the, with the data set that we have and the work that's been done, we are starting years and years and years ahead of where a project just sitting with this resource okay, would so normally be. Okay. And I'm sorry I'm keeping this kind of fairly fluffy um, uh, and sort of helicopter level t today because um, well, I, th I think this announcement deserves it, but I would like to get into the weeds with you another time. But you're looking at, you're saying like flat, um, spring coal potentially, because the, I guess the large CapEx component would require some of the big balance sheet to come in and partner with you there or take it over to some, some, some degree, whatever that looks like. You've already, you've already got, you know, partnerships with Pickle Crow and Hope Brook and obviously Treasury Metals, you're a big shareholder of as well. Um, th those are kind of partnership models, but you're always saying here is with something like, um, Dubarquet and possibly, um, um, Duquesne or Pitt, those are things that you want to retain control of in terms of moving it forward to being a producing mine. Right. So, so you know, the model isn't entirely, let's just like, Farm this out. Let's just partner. Let's just outsource the problem here. You, you, there's a kind of degree of control that you want. Is that right? Yeah. With this project, I think I think we want to bring our team and our background and capability and skill set to bear in scoping a different project, in thinking about it a bit differently, in the same way that we have done at Springfall over the last uh, over the last three three and a half years. Um, you know, it's not just been a progression of, of uh, you know, um, going down one study the same as the previous study. We've made significant changes. And it's, you know, it comes down to kind of one of the core values of our company, which is there's kind of always a better way to do things, right? So you need to keep looking at different alternatives uh, in order to, to find the best way, be that on environmental uh, issues, be that on you know, financing, be that on, uh, you know, project evaluation. So um, now we're, we're very excited about this one. But again, you know, we're, we're not saying now first mining is going into production on this project. But I think we have a team that can certainly scope a project that would would not have the capital constraints that, um, another project uh, that's sort of by definition a big capital project like Springpool might. It just leaves you with a little bit more flexibility. Okay. Well, look, um, look Dan, I think I'll leave it there, but I wouldn't mind um, sort of digging into the weeds a little bit technically with you whenever you're uh, around um, yeah. on what it is that you picked up here. Um, partly that, and partly I want to see what the reaction in the marketplace uh, is to this. Um, and I guess, I guess the third, com third component is maybe just expand a little bit in terms of, um, how, how you, cause I'm just looking at the reaction, you know, to your story in the marketplace and trying to understand what, what the narrative 
currently is, what people are thinking about that. And, and I guess more broadly is like, what do you need to become to kind of get the credit for the some of the parts as it were? Because if, if you kind of break everything down, put a value against it, it probably wouldn't be what you're being valued at right now. I suspect, I suspect. Uh, so, I suspect too, yeah. Right, so so what is it? And that's that's what I'd like to try and work out. Um, so look, appreciate your time today. Thanks for, I know I'm about your 10th phone call and it's only about 7.30 in the morning there. So um, appreciate your time. Um, we'll catch up with you soon, okay? Wonderful, thanks. We'll, uh, we'll aim to chat next week.